Welcome to Probably About Politics. I'm Alex. I'm Kaylee. And this week, in a special episode, rather than covering a general election in another country, we turn to the European Union to speak of democracy on a, on a continental level, you could say, yeah. right, Kaylee? Yeah, regional politics. So, right off the bat, how, who governs the European Union? And do they have real, real democratic power that really matters to individuals in Europe? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's where it becomes complicated. You're looking at... Wait, that's where it becomes complicated? We haven't talked about anything yet. <laughs> okay, well, the, if you look at it from a legislative level, the process is very democratic. But the way that they're, the European citizens don't necessarily get what you might consider much of a say in that process. I mean, they, there's three bodies. We're looking at the European Parliament... European Commission and the European Council that we'll say are the primary important ones to democracy and mm-hmm. only the European Parliament is the only one that's directly voted on. Okay. So how are the other two uh, elected? How do they get their seats? Well, the European Council is made up of representatives from the national, um, the, the different states. So it, some for important meetings, it would be Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany would be there, like the, the heads of state for each um, each member state. Okay. And then sometimes it's just the representatives, other like members of government that go in their place. And for the European Commission, that is made up of, well, first the president. Um, so just getting back, that's the council. Yeah, yeah. So each, each country gets one voice at that. Yeah, right there. And these, all these countries have very different populations. Right. So, how did how does that play out with uh, with differing uh, amounts of people being spoken for by one individual at these things? And how do is is there any uh, dynamics between larger countries and smaller countries within the council, or is it really an open floor? With the council, it it's not as much of an issue there. Uh, I think they're fairly agreed that each state can have should have their national leader be able to be represented there. Um, it tends it tends to be that like obviously the more powerful states say Germany for example mm-hmm. it takes the lead on a lot of things but you, that's just kind of the the way you might expect it to go it's m- the issue of numbers and representation is more becomes more of an issue in the European Parliament okay well let's talk about the European Parliament <laughs> all right the European Parliament let me just get the number on this um, is made up of 751 elected seats and so and each country gets six representatives but there are some very small countries that are member states so on one level they're overrepresented um, but on the other level um, it's to kind of make sure that if they elect one person no country is only having one person speak as their voice yeah. And so states like Germany can't just unilaterally make decisions because they have the biggest population and therefore can make the mo- or have the most votes. Yeah. Um, so there's complaints on either end that they're underrepresented, overrepresented, overrepresented. Um, yeah, Germany is fairly massively underrepresented. Yeah, the the, the major it seems like the major powers in Europe are underrepresented yeah. at in in the parliament. 
and that is that done on purpose to try to kind of shift the power to some of the smaller states to make sure that there's uh, it's it's more of actually all of Europe and less representative of four or five large countries. Yeah, I think that that's the idea behind it. And often, like I think you'll probably hear amongst um, German citizens that that's a bit of a complaint they don't like. Yeah. That they aren't really represented because it, like I don't remember this isn't the exact number but it's like eight hundred or like thousands and thousands of people for one person in Germany and then yeah. like five hundred people for one person in like a much smaller like Luxembourg or something like yeah. that it was a much smaller state so but yeah it is it is to balance the power so they do have a say like if yeah. if Luxembourg small country only had one and they just elected like a really far right-wing person yeah then that's the only voice that the country would have yeah it's kind of like if if we take an example from canada yeah. it's kind of like only have it's if everybody had to decide on one person probably it would seem like from our last national election that about <laughs> 60 to 65 percent of the people would be unhappy yeah. with that one voice <laughs> so okay so it makes sense that there has to be at least a few voices so six mm-hmm. right off the bat for yeah. every every state um, so, and then the third branch, mm-hmm. the commission? Yeah. Um, so the European commission, um, an, an, uh, a present is taken from one of the, the parties, the main parties in the European parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, each party nominates somebody and then the European council picks one of them to be president. And then that president chooses, uh, representatives from each country to be each country chooses representatives (laughs) to be a part of their essentially like a cabinet basically so in in that you said from parties from the parliament yeah and I think this is an interesting point is that even though all of the representatives are from many different countries Mm -hmm. representatives from different countries can be part of the same party yeah. within European Parliament, yeah. and have oppo- and members of opposition parties be from their same country. Mm-hmm. So it really is trying to get rid of these national kind of borders and kind of make it a real parliament. Yeah, though there are yeah there are a lot of the parties are supposed to be Europe wide. There are certainly some like there's a party that is primarily of people from the UK. Yeah. Um. But yeah, generally speaking, like. There's basically like a Christian Democratic Party, which is a popular party yeah. in Germany, but it represents all of Europe and has members from around yeah. Europe. And then within those major parties, there are also coalitions mm-hmm. formed. And some parties are members of multiple different coalitions, and there, it it it's a very interesting uh, dynamic between those mm-hmm. between those parties. So now that we kind of have a a shallow understanding <laughs> of of the moving parts of the parliament. What is kind of the sentiment in Europe towards the European Union, which uh, is probably a very difficult question to answer, and many people feel different ways about it. But is it is it doing what it's supposed to do? Um. Yeah, I think. I mean, as yeah, as a body, it is doing what it's supposed to do. It it, it covers a lot of different areas. And it's. Uh, like financial, yeah, uh, and stuff like so. It is, is doing what it's supposed to do. But every so often, it, a lot of what it does doesn't really cross your mind as a citizen very often, or yeah. it's not that exciting. Um, and then every so often, it does do something that you 
citizens seem to have an opinion on. Yeah. And then we get, it gets a lot of attention and a lot of questions about like how much power the EU has and is that infringing on sovereignty of states. Yeah. So in the citizens' minds, I think a lot of the time, they, the general consensus would be not really aware of it. Yeah. Um, but then there's definitely some people, increasingly large group of people who are what you call Eurosceptics and mm. don't really like the idea. Is it right to say that the European Union is, was f- first and foremost an economic union yeah. between the states? And yeah. would that be, is that even a success? I mean, it broke it broke down trade borders and everything, so people mm-hmm. could move freely and work in different countries and have free trade within all mm-hmm. of Europe. But not e- not even all the member states of the European Union use the euro. Yeah, I mean, so it, is that seen as a failure right off, right out of the door? I wouldn't say so. That was sort of, that wasn't really one of the first things they wanted to do. I think that um, yeah, the fact that the freedom of movement. Um, and and the lowering of tariffs and trade barriers is really yeah. that that was what it was supposed to do and has done that. Like I mean, yeah. you, you can if you work in Poland but you're from France. I guess you probably wouldn't do, it wouldn't usually be that way. But let's say you move from France to work in Poland, like you can do that and you get all the same health benefits and you get the yeah. same coverage and all those sort of things. So it's just freedom of movement, freedom of the economy and business, and it and it makes sure that everybody is being fair each country like like germany can't violate its rules and or it'll have to go to court or or a company can't violate its rules like it's it's good at doing that it's having to get like better and doing some like secure like security with regards to the borders that's becoming highlighted as an issue that it is moving into that realm because it has to because of the borders but it wasn't ever originally intended to do that and okay. so it's sort of it's building new skills and as it's doing that we're seeing sort of where it wasn't really prepared to do that i think security is an interesting point mm-hmm. because there to to have to have hard borders you know mm-hmm. within this area i mean it, it is, it's a large landmass but it's not the largest uh, group of land anywhere i mean like there are individual countries which are larger than the european union uh, there are countries with larger populations than the European Union. So, I mean, it, it's an emerging superpower, potentially, within the next 50 years, people are saying, as long as it can kind of become a great, a more cohesive entity. Yeah. But, I mean, these questions about security and making sure everyone has a voice, I mean, other other entities, national entities, mm-hmm. have already done all this stuff. Yeah. So why, why is the EU having such an issue with it, do you think? Well, it's, um, yeah, it's hard because it's, it's different, right? Like, in uh, countries can kind of decide what they want the European Union to do for it. Um, the European Union has sort of tried to make itself more, like, to, it tried to get, like, a constitution sort of passed, but yeah. France said no, and the Netherlands said we don't want that to happen either. Yeah. Um, so they can't have a constitution. So it's it's trying to straddle a line and move forward without um uh without without bothering countries like so you yeah. kind of it, it's a sometimes it can be two steps forward three steps three steps back sort of thing yeah 
it, it probably in, in some ways though it, it probably is a national pot i mean it has a huge economy like it, it, it's more power like in a trade agreement with canada right now yeah. right like it's definitely got the upper hand <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it, it has played a major role in this in the refugee crisis that is happening like it yeah. is an essential player um so yeah they they're having to figure out how much power the european union is trying to figure out how much power it wants to have and then countries are trying to figure out how much power they wanted to have and so it, it is a balance um it's still kind of in the yeah. feeling out period yeah right? it, and there's not a lot like it it's sort of like in between an international organization yeah. and a country and how do you build something completely new from that i guess yeah um so i guess moving away just from europe mm-hmm. the european union holds sort of seats on other international bodies mm-hmm. like G, the G8 yeah. they have a seat uh, within the UN I mm-hmm. believe they have a seat uh, is there any concern about sort of um, I think with G8 it's a visitor seat right it's not yeah. a, it's not a full it's not a full seat so is there any issue of double representation of certain countries within the EU who also have their own national representation in those bodies I think as long as that like as long as you look at that seat as not like as long as it doesn't become a seat that is like essentially just Germany's seat or something yeah. because really when you're looking at Europeanist inter- Europe as a whole's interest is different than France's yeah. interest, right? And so that does need to be represented. And um, and obviously, so it's not really doubling up. I don't think. I think uh, the way, yeah, the way that they're going to look at it is very different, and their and their economic role in the world is important yeah. to be represented. Uh, and I don't think like a country like France or Germany or any of the countries in there could represent the finance the economic concerns that europe might present at the g8 or something like that yeah okay and i guess uh looking forward for the eu uh for expansion yeah. right one of the the main uh players who is looking towards the european union right now is turkey who yeah. we covered in uh two weeks ago <laughs> yeah. uh and uh speaking to a uh a, a german woman that i know mm-hmm. uh she she could be described potentially as a Eurosceptic. Uh, I, I, I feel, or from what I read as well, uh, many Germans uh, feel this way, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a lot of countries within the European Union who don't, who get more than they give, mm-hmm. let's say. And uh, Turkey wants in mm-hmm. badly, says that, you know, it, it's, the, it's great for Europe if... if if the EU wants to become a superpower, they need Turkey in there. And also some people are saying that later on the road, Russia is going to try to get in on that. But this is all speculation far down the road yep. where people are saying the expansion of the EU. But Turkey is more uh, of, you know, a pressing issue yep. for the EU. Uh, how, how, do, how does a country become a member um, I'd have to, I don't 100% know the process, but basically you apply to become a member um, and you have to meet a certain standard. You can't, you can't come into the EU not prepared to live up to the regulations and, or, and be able to hold, you have to basically implement all the EU laws before yeah. you can start the process of becoming a European yeah. member. And then, so you, you do that and then you get approved and uh, and all the other states then have to vote essentially and say like yeah we'll let them in and if anyone doesn't agree then 
it's not going to happen. And it, so it can take, I, I think Turkey's probably been at it for 10 years and they're not really that far into the process. It takes a long time just because you have to build up your economy to a certain level. You have to yeah. get your debt at a certain point. Um, and, and also, yeah, like human rights laws, all sorts of, so it's hard. Um, but, and, and they've kind of raised the bar on it in more recently than so there are a few countries who got in much easier yeah. than countries can now. Uh, so if we see certain countries uh, desperately wanting to become part of the European Union, what would be some of the reasons why certain countries don't want to be a member of the European Union, uh, namely some of the Nordic countries? Well, um, I mean, like, I guess you probably heard that the UK is probably going to have a referendum to yeah. leave. Uh, and it's... Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's complicated because the probably biggest issue is uh, the sense that some countries are doing more than and giving more than the others can give. Yeah. Which I think in some ways is a bit of a false perception because really like Germany and the UK and countries have benefited massively from being able to easily move their goods into yeah. other countries. So there's a, there is a there is a benefit to both sides. Um, so that's a big one, the perception that they're getting less than they could be. Um, and then it, sovereignty would probably be the next one. Um, you, EU laws take precedent no matter what. Yeah. Um, and, and they, and so by having agreed to be in the European Union, you have to let that happen. And for the UK, I think that's one of the big ones is that yeah. they don't want to have to follow all the rules which is interesting because the UK is actually the best at following the rules <laughs> like they they follow all the rules and and then yeah mostly the UK is, is probably more rooted in the sense that like they were once a big power yeah and now they're part they're sort of not even the biggest power in the European yeah. Union um, so yeah just as um, I think in part a sense of like I have to go along with this no matter what um, and that like I might not always be the most powerful person, my voice might not always be heard, and so my sovereignty is kind of infringed on. So those are the two big ones, I guess, and, and sort of concerns about migration and that sort of thing too, I guess. Um, yeah, a lot, of people, a lot of people are also worried about immigrants coming in and taking their jobs, which I think is a concern yes. that like every country has, but it's just more by the open borders is a little yeah. heightened in the European Union. Okay, so going forward, with the European Union, what do you think some of the the main barriers to its uh, potential superpower status in the future? Uh, yeah, I think uh, definitely what we've been focusing on is uh, representation and democracy. So, because you really do, you have the most important, one of the most important countries in uh, the European Union, like Germany, feeling fairly underrepresented in in the European Union, but is also like a crucial player. And if they're not if they, if they if their citizens don't feel a part of it it's going to yeah. be a big barrier to them and then on the other end smaller countries uh and countries experiencing financial crisis like Greece uh who are accepting like during the financial crisis and the bailout packages had to agree to these austerity measures yeah and and so then they had a federal election and they said we don't want these austerity measures but they still had to accept the austerity yeah. measures so there's a uh, countries feeling like no matter what they do it, their hands are tied. They're, yeah, they're tied to it. So, yeah, the, figuring out how to make Europeans feel like they're part of the European Union and 
in addition to their national ties uh, and feel connected to one another is essential to that. All right. So thanks for listening to uh, this episode of Probably About Politics. Uh, in the next two weeks, we'll be moving back uh, to our normal programming uh, where we talk about a general election happening somewhere in the world. Thanks for listening.